0: Hey guys! I hope everyone is having a happy 4th of July. And during this episode, you may hear some fireworks and artillery shells in the background, and I apologize. That's my neighbors. I don't really care for fireworks unless they're done by professionals and I can watch them on TV. So, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. I'll Speaking of which, uh, I'll take the barbecue, but uh, everything else I can do without. I, I'm just not, I don't like the sudden noise, and apparently neither do my kids or my cat. But, we have hit over 500 plays, guys. it's so amazing, I really appreciate all of you for listening Um, I, I also want to mention that it has been announced that Stitcher will be shutting down as of August 29th so please make sure if you follow me on Stitcher or if you listen on Stitcher follow me on one of the many many other platforms that I'm on So, in this episode, we are going to go back to our little series within the the show. And, I figured our last episode took place in Arizona. So, we'll just hang out there for a minute. So, let's, let's head on down, shall we? Warning. The following episode depicts details of murder and sexual assault. Viewer discretion is advised. Charles Howard Schmid was born to an unwed mother on July 8, 1942 in Tucson, Arizona. He was adopted the very next day by Charles and Catherine Schmid. The couple were the owners-operators of a nursing home in Tucson. They divorced when Charles was four, after he had a very rough relationship with his father. Later on in his life, Charles attempted to meet with his biological mother, but she turned him away immediately and told him to never seek her out again. In high school, he was a champion gymnast leading his school to the state championship and winning both the flying rings and steel rings. He quit the team during his senior year and then was suspended for stealing tools from the shop class. He would never graduate high school. Instead, his mother allowed him to move into the small home on her property and she provided him with a motorcycle and a car as well as a $300 a month month allowance at this point he has no need for a job or an education because his mother is just handing him what he wants on a silver platter he was a short young man standing at five foot three, which is the same height I am. He would usually stuff his boots with newspaper and aluminum cans to make him look taller. He had brownish red hair, which he dyed black so that he would look like Elvis a little more. And he drew a mole on his face. On May 31, 1964, after a night of heavy drinking, he enlisted his then girlfriend Mary French and friend John Saunders to kill 15-year old Aline Rowe. Mary persuaded Aline to go on a double date as Saunders' companion Then the four drove to the desert where Schmid raped and bludgeoned Aline to death. Then he forced Saunders and French to help bury her body in the sand. Several months later, Schmid met 16-year-old Gretchen Fritz at a local swimming pool. They began dating a short time later. During that time, it's said that Charles discovered Gretchen was crazier than him and was trying to break things off with her. After several months and attempts at breaking up, he told Gretchen all about Aline Rowe and even showed her where the body was buried all the while hoping she would be the one to break up with him. She then threatened to go to the police if he ever left her. Not taking that threat lightly Charles strangled the now 17 year old as well as her 13-year-old sister, Wendy, on August 16th, 1965. He confided in his friend, Richie Bruns, about the murders and showed him where the bodies were located. At this point, Bruns became very afraid that Charles had set his sights on his girlfriend. Now, her family thought Richie was just being controlling and possessive. And so, he ran to Ohio. There, he stayed with his grandparents. And he told them everything that had gone on. From Ohio, he was able to call the local police and tell them the information that he had. He then returned to Arizona to help with the investigation. This was a huge case during the 1960s. So big, in fact, that celebrity attorney F. Lee Bailey, who had been involved in the Boston Strangler and Sam Shepard cases, was brought in as a consultant. Schmid was found guilty in 1966 and sentenced to death. But, his sentence was commuted to 50 years in 1971 after Arizona temporarily abolished the death penalty. Which, at that time, it was pretty common for them to... Abolish the death penalty Even Florida did that for a while Um, And then they brought it back His mother and stepfather Ended up living in Coolidge, Arizona In near poverty Because they owed more for his defense Than they had Charles Schmidt attempted several escapes And even succeeded on November 11, 1972 before being recaptured several days later and returned to prison. On March 20, 1975, Schmid was found in his cell after being stabbed 47 times by two fellow inmates. After losing an eye And a kidney. He succumbed to his injuries 10 days later on March 30th, 1975. His body was stolen from the morgue, but recovered by police. What is it with people stealing bodies? What what is the interest in that? Can somebody tell me? Because I just... I, I. I'm morbid, but that's just, that's just weird. That's, (laughs) why? Why, why would you want to do that? I just can't wrap my head around that. His mother chose to have him buried in the prison cemetery for fear of his grave being defaced if he were buried in a public cemetery. Which is so sad. That is so sad that you're worried that your son won't even be able to rest in peace because of vandalism. He received a full Catholic funeral, although his body was not in the casket during the service. And that is how the case of the Pied Piper of Tucson came about. Now the media dubbed him the Pied Piper because of how easy it was for him to make friends with and manipulate the teenage crowd there in Tucson. This was... This was a pretty short case to even look into um, just because it didn't span years it was just he killed three people and possibly four there's in his diary there was the possibility that he had killed a, a guy um, but I couldn't find any information on that so I didn't put it in in the the story but yeah it's I don't I don't feel bad that, you know, that he passed away. I hate the way that, you know, his mother had to bury him. Because, being a mama, I, I, he's still someone's baby. And, I, I view that. I, I see it that way, as... We view him as a monster. We view all of these murderers as monsters. But, in the long run, somebody loved them. They were somebody's baby. And for any mother to have to have that fear that their child can't... Can't even be buried properly. is sad. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Crime and Whatnot. Um, once again, it was announced recently that Stitcher will be shutting down as of August 29th. So please follow me on one of the other platforms like Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Audible, SiriusXM, Apple Podcasts, or one of the many, many others. I greatly appreciate all of you, and I would love to continue sharing this journey with you. As always, stay true and whatnot. Bye.